beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God to three in one. Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, how great is our God. Sing with me how great.
Good morning. Um, welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. So scanning the QR code, which is located on the front of your worship guide, allows you to connect to all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, and also, oh, I'm sorry, along with our social media platforms all in one place. So guests, please click on the menu item for the first time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and the mission of the church online, or you may mail a check to our address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. So today, after worship, at 11 a.m., the Goodson Village Group will meet in the church house. And later this week, on Thursday, March 16th, at 7 a.m., we have the Shipman Men's Group at Just Love Coffee. And at 5 p.m., the Goodson Men's Group will meet in the church house. Next Sunday, on March 19th, um, after the worship, we'll have communion. And then we'll welcome Reverend Bill Nash to our pulpit. On Tuesday, March 21st, at 5.30 p.m., we'll have women's fellowship time, followed by Bible study at the church house. On Friday, March 24th, we'll have the youth events, which is called Sardines and S'mores. And... (laughs) (laughs) It's called Sardines and S'mores, guys. We're not eating sardines. Okay. It's, it's a game. Um, and at 6 p.m., it's going to be at 6 p.m. in the church parking lot. And also save the date. On April 1st, we have TVC Kids, Egg Hunt, and Family Pick. That's it. Do with that information as you will. worship the Lord with me today. Yeah. 
choice and tell ourselves today tell ourselves today i will sing like never before so will you please stand with me if you're able as we do our call to worship and we sing today like never before praises to the most high god our call to worship is from uh, micah chapter 4 verses 2b and 5 please join with where it says people and all come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem for all the peoples walk each in the name of its God but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. Amen. Whenever you see a, a but in the scripture, you need to pay attention. But 
We will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Amen? Amen. but the goodies that you don't sing enough, right?
Jehovah, the great God, the good God. You love us. You keep us. You clothe us. You provide for all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Father, you loved us enough to not leave us to our own foolishness, but to send your son to die on our behalf so that we could be in communion with you. You promised to never leave us or forsake us. You are our banner. You go before us. You are our battle axe. Mighty is your name. You are the good shepherd. You make us lie down in green pastures. You restore our souls. And even when we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil because you are with us. You prepare tables before us in the presence of our enemies. We can cast our cares at your feet knowing that you care for us. You are the true and living God, and there is none like you. And we praise your name today, Lord. We magnify you today, Lord. You are awesome. You are lovely. You are beautiful. You are holy. You are majestic. And there are not enough words on this side of heaven to describe how fantastically awesome you are. So God, I just pray that these songs, the notes, the voices, Lord, our praise this morning, I pray, has been pleasing to you. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Oh, that's more like it. I want to thank the music ministry for those, those keys and those drums and those wonderful voices. Uh, it took a minute for me to get the cadence of uh, Mighty Fortress of Our God, but when I listened to the words, I kind of got the cadence really good. It was like a battle. So I got excited a little bit about that, you know. I want my heart to know that God is fighting for me when I'm not even fighting for myself. Amen. It's real. It's real. But uh, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. So this morning, we're going to have a great opportunity to confess our sin and reflect on our week and see how gracious God is when we're not even deserving, how faithful our God is when we're not deserving, and how committed he is when we're not deserving. So I'll be reading from you, Obadiah, verses 3 and 4. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the cleft of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, 
who will bring me down to the ground. Though you soar aloft like the eagles, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Let us reflect on that in a moment of silence. Now, as always, our God is good. A mighty fortress is our God. He shall deliver us out of any sin, any hardship that we may run into. That's the privilege of being his child. And so I'll be reading from you Psalms 86, verse 5. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're able, would you please stand for the the reading of the word? I'll be reading from from Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Let us begin. Summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter. And Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collectors, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Now you may be seated. Now we have a wonderful treat. A ministry moment of one of our very own who's going to come up and speak. I know him to be a noble man, but God was very gracious to give him a last name of nobles. So I want for you guys to give a nice warm applause for our good friend, a great servant of the Lord, Marcus Nobles. I appreciate that. Thank you, brother. Good morning, church. It's always a pleasure and an honor to stand here in this place and to speak to God's people. I don't take it lightly. Um... So I'm here today to give a ministry moment and a resurrection story. And when um, Pastor Alex first asked me to do this, I was like, yeah, no, how about we pick somebody else? And I couldn't really think of what to say. Um, and then I started thinking back over the past two years that my family and I have been here. Um, as most of you know, um, um, I received a call to come and uh, lead the ministry of RUF at Alabama A&M. Um, um, RUF is a college campus ministry. And when they first asked me to do that, I turned it down, um, like God turned down doing this right now. Um, and it's funny how God works. We make plans and God laughs. Um, and they asked me again, and I turned it down a second time. And then they asked me again, um, um, our good friend Amos. In, in fact, it, it, it was about this time, um, a little more than two years ago, Amos gave me a call and, and, and asked if I'd just come for the interview. Just come and check it out and, and see what Huntsville is. And I, and I remember, um, as I begrudgingly said yes to that, um, I told my wife that we were going to get in the car, come to Huntsville, give them a polite no, and then go back to Mobile and keep living our lives. And again, we make plans and God laughs. Um, and we got here to Huntsville and we did the interview. 
I met Alex for the first time face-to-face, even though he and I had been talking over the phone for a little more than a year when I first stumbled into the PCA. Um, and man, Alex is a wonderful and, and, and great mentor. If you all didn't know that, um, he has a real heart for people um, that can change the way that you view and the lens in with which you view your, your world um, through Christ. And I appreciate you for that, brother. Um, so we came and we did the interview. And as we left um, with our plans of giving them a polite no, I looked at my wife and I said, are we moving to Huntsville? And she looked at that and she looked back at me and said, are we moving to Huntsville? And I said, hey, I think we're moving to Huntsville. And so we got here a little more than two years ago to restart the work of RUF on the campus of Alabama A&M. And it was a really hard start because we were plowing concrete. There was nothing there. There were no students who knew what, the, what RUF was. There was barely any faculty or, or, or anyone that even had a concept of what full-time campus ministry looked like. So we got there and started doing the very hard work of literally plowing concrete. Like, like we couldn't plant any seeds because there was no ground to plant them in. Um, and that seems like such an impossible challenge, right? And there's a theme that I've been reminded of constantly that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And the many times that Marcus has failed over the past few years trying to grow and build ministry on that campus... Man, God has never failed. His track record has been perfect. Um, And likewise, our track record with RUF has also been perfect. Not because I'm so good and not because I've done everything right and not because anything that Marcus has accomplished is so great, but because God loves us so much and his grace is so good that his righteousness is therefore imputed on us. And because his track record is perfect, therefore also our track record is perfect. And so with that, over the past few years, RUF at Alabama A&M has grown in exponential ways, in ways that I could never even imagine. Just this past week, we had two Bible studies. We have a Monday night Bible study, which is all women, and is led by a female grad student. And we have our, our, our regular Thursday night Bible studies, which is led by me. The women's Bible study has about 25 women showing up. And the Thursday night Bible study has about 20 to 25 people. It fluctuates. And every other Sunday evening, we're doing full-on worship service on campus, in one of the reception halls, in the dorm room. And about, a, and about 85 to 100 people show up to that every other week. Not only that, now RUF is a staple on the campus. Faculty and staff know what RUF is. They have a concept for what full-time on-campus ministry looks like. I've even been nominated to the board of directors for the volunteerism and student service office, which makes no sense. Like, how did that happen? You know? And it's easy to know how it happened because it wasn't me. It was God. Something that I've struggled with the entire time that I've been here is imposter syndrome. Anybody ever heard of that? And it's because I'm still working through seminary, and I'm not the usual RUF hire. Usually RUF hires folks that have already finished seminary and are already ordained. And since I'm not finished with seminary and I'm still working my way towards ordination, something that I've struggled with all the time is imposter syndrome. 
I'm constantly surrounded by people who are more qualified, who have more of the credentials, um, who on paper could do the work better, right? But one thing that I've seen and has been unequivocally true over these past few years is that God qualifies who he calls. And no matter how hard it may feel and how hard it may seem and how difficult a road it may be to continue to work in ministry and do seminary and raise a family and do church and all of the other things all at the same time, one thing that has never changed is that God's grace has always been sufficient. And no matter what comes and no matter what goes, God continues to be the strong tower that we can run to and be safe. And it's amazing how that's written in the psalm so many times. And I think it's because we need to hear it over and over again. That our strength is never sufficient, but God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And that he is a good, strong tower that we can run to and always be safe. And we can find peace in the middle of our storms, not because it's peace that we can produce on our own, but because we serve a Savior who loves us so much that he's willing to send himself to die for us who don't deserve it and couldn't work hard enough to earn it. And I don't know about you, but I I get this warm, fuzzy feeling every time that I hear the gospel again because I need it so much. I think it's such a potent reminder for all of us, God's people, that we need it as well. And that's my resurrection story. Thank you so much. Um, And again, I always appreciate the opportunity that I have to stand here and speak for God's people. So thank you. Thank you, Marcus. I'm, um, I got an echo somewhere. I don't know if it's the, the monitor up here. Okay, thank you. Before we have our prayer supplication, I want to share something from a book that I'm reading. I can thank Amanda Anson for this, uh, what I'm about to say. So um, I'm reading Stormlight Archives by uh, Brandon Sanderson. And there's a scene uh, with a character named Wit and a young lady named Charlene. She had just had a very uh, hard experience because she was doing a good deed in, in, in this community, and it backfired on her. And so she was feeling down. And, and this is what Wit said to her. He says, this is life. The longer you live, the more you fail. Fail Failure is a mark of a life lived well. In turn, the only way to live without failure is to be of use to no one. To be of use to no one. So I think uh, if if you are anything like me, you failed this week at something. And if you are a perfectionist, you beat yourself up because of that failure. And as we heard our brother Marcus say his resurrection story, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And so as we go into this prayer of supplication, you know, take all your failures. 
to the throne of grace. Because it's only that he can receive the help that we need. So let us go to the Lord now and bring to him all of our failures. Father, Father, failure is a life, uh, Mark, that has been lived well. And Lord, we bring to you all of our failures. Failure as people, failure as Christians, failure as employees, failures as parents, siblings, kids, students. The list goes on and on and on, Lord of the ways in which we fall short, the ways in which we still need grace. And we bring all of those failures to you. We bring them to you so that you can take them and transform them, so that you can minister to them, so that you can continue to mold us into uh, the men and women we need to be. Sanctification, Lord, is not easy. It's hard. But thank you that you who began a good work in us were carried on to completion until the day of Christ. That it's not just us treading water. But Lord, you are with us. You're beside us. You're behind us. You're in the front of, front of us. In fact, you're miles and miles ahead of us. Paving the path for us. Chopping down the leaves before us. So we bring to you everything that we are. Everything that we hold dear, everything that we find our identity in that is not you, we bring it before you and we cast it before your feet and we cry out, help me. Help our unbelief. We bring to you not just our failures, we bring to you our successes, the things that that we place our righteousness in, our goodness, our ministry. We bring to you. None of these things make us right with you, though you've called us to walk in these good works. But none of these good works make us right with you. None of them are are, are what gets us into the the kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that that you will help us have a, a proper ordering of things. Help us to be sons and daughters. And we don't have to work for that title. Because it has been purchased for us through our adoption through Christ. Give us rest. Help us stop trying to earn what we already have been freely given. We are already accepted. We are already loved. We are already all these things. You can't love us anymore. The cup overflows with your affection and your embrace, and your delight. Lord, help us, help our blindness. Help us to see us through your eyes, beloved. That is what we are. That is who you see when you see us, beloved. 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 And we know we can't see ourselves that way without the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will give us the eyes to see the things that are true about us because of who Christ is for us. And I pray for all this in Christ's wonderful name.
Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Alex. I am the senior pastor here at the Village Church, and it's great to be with you all this morning. I'm glad that some of you changed your clocks and you didn't oversleep, so thank you. I came across a illustration this week that says, a pastor and author from a church in Los Angeles writes, the gospel flows best through the establishment, through establishing significant relationships that are, that are authentic and real and healthy. When relationships become stagnant and the community of Christ closes itself to the outside world, the result is an institution rather than a movement. It goes on to say that Christ didn't die to establish an institution. He died and rose from the grave to bring salvation to his bride, the church. Since that is true, the church must spend its energy in continuing, in continuing the mission he begun and commissioned us to fulfill. The church, like the village church, must spend our energy continuing the mission that Christ begun and has commissioned us to fulfill. TVC Saints, we are part of Christ's church, his body, commissioned to continue his mission as Resurrection Advocate. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, open it to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Our sermon text today is uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Matthew 10, verses 1 through 4. And the title is, We Are Resurrection Advocates, Part 2. We Are Resurrection Advocates, Part 2. The big idea is this. Resurrection advocates are commissioned to continue Jesus' mission to the world. Resurrection advocates are commissioned to continue Jesus' mission to the world. But do we believe it? But do we believe it? Once again, join me in prayer as I ask the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of the word. Holy Spirit, third person within the Godhead, we need you to give power to the preaching of the word today. We need you to open up our hearts, open up our minds so you can let the word settle in, in fertile soil so that it can take root, so that it can minister to us holistically. Preaching has no power apart from you. We who are Christians here, we can't apply the truth to our lives apart from you. So, Holy Spirit, will you move in each of us corporately and also in us individually? And I pray for this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Do y'all know what it means to be commissioned? What does it mean to be commissioned? The term is defined as the authority granted to a person or organization to act as an agent for another. It, it, it also is a defined as an appointment to the rank of officer in the armed services. So to be commissioned is to have delegated authority to represent another and to be appointed to a certain role or position. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, Jesus commissions his 12 disciples. 
These are the original OGs. The, Jesus, he commissions them after what he told them in, in chapter 9, verses 37 through 38. That's what I preached on last week. And, and back, in, back in chapter 9, he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. After telling them how they are to walk in his missional footprint and to pray earnestly for laborers, then he commissions them. Then he commissions them. In the Message Bible, it says, the prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called the 12 of his followers and sent them out into the field. You see, Jesus calls his disciples to himself, and then he grants them delegated authority. And this authority is not take, is given, not taken. It's granted, not claimed. The authority that doesn't come from the disciple is Jesus' authority. That's an amen statement. It's, it's, the, it's the same authority that he demonstrates in, in previous chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. For example, in chapter 9, you see Jesus demonstrating this authority over sin, over death, over demons, and over sickness. And, and now in the beginning of chapter 10, he shares his authority with his 12 disciples. He shares it with them. With them. And so the principle here is there's nothing we do that comes from us as a church. It all comes from Christ. It all belongs to him. Look at verse 1 with me. Matthew writes, Jesus calls to himself the 12 disciples and gives them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. This delegated authority enables and empowers the 12 disciples to walk in Jesus' missional footprint. One commentator says, the disciples are given authority over mission, not institutional leadership here. Authority over mission. These 12 have the delegated authority to minister to the physical and felt needs of people. These are felt needs, casting out unclean spirits healing people from every affliction and every disease. That, that's, that's, that's ministering to the felt needs of people, which is an expression of the kingdom coming through Christ. They have, Jesus gives them the authority to preach, teach, heal, and deliver. It all comes from Christ. And along with this delegated authority, he also appoints the 12 disciples to what I call foundational apostolic roles. There are, they are appointed to be his apostles. Their role is foundational because they are the ones who are inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the New Testament. They are empowered by the Spirit to lay the foundation of Jesus' church. This means that the, the, their apostolic role is only unique to them. For the Bible is complete. The canon is closed. Do I really need to pull out the sign for that? The Bible is complete. The canon is closed. And the foundations of the church has been established. Signed, sealed, delivered. 
So now, who are these disciples appointed by Jesus to be his apostles who have been granted delegated authority? We see this in verses 4, 2 through 4. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 are fully commissioned by Jesus, granted delegated authority, appointed to the role of apostles. So what, you may ask? What does the commissioning of the 12 disciples mean for us today? Again, we're looking back into history here. So what does it mean for us in 2023? What does it mean for us as the village church? It means we are, we are also commissioned by Jesus to walk in his missional footprint. He has delegated to us the authority to represent him and to continue his mission to the world. But do we believe that? Do we live that? CBC Saints, I said something similar to this last week. No other group of people on the face of the earth have been commissioned by Jesus for such a mission as this. Let that sink in. No other group of people, no community of people, no government, no religious group, no humanitarian group, no civil rights group, no political party, no nonprofit has been commissioned for such a mission as this. That's an amen statement. Jesus has commissioned his church, universal and local, commissioned his people to walk in his missional footprint. We have the delegated authority to do this in his name and for his glory. Like reflect on that. Be encouraged by that. Feel enabled. Be excited that you get to represent Christ and continue his mission to the world. Along with this delegated authority, the church has been appointed to a role as well, not to the role of apostles, but to the role of resurrection advocates. You see, the, the church's role in this mission isn't foundational. Our role is movement and continuation, discipleship making. It's being the hands and feet of Jesus to the members inside of our church and to those outside of our church. We are commissioned to take gospel truth and gospel deeds to our community, individually and corporately. We've been granted the delegated authority and given the appointment to minister to people holistically. Please know that, holistically. That's to their spiritual needs, their physical needs, their mental needs, and their emotional needs. And we're doing this as agents and representatives of Christ. We do both. The kingdom does both. The gospel ministers to both. So what we're seeing here is that, as Marcus says, Jesus enables us to do this. 
he qualifies us for this. But do we believe it? Do we believe it? And here's another point. The role of resurrection advocate is communal. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? All believers in a local church are resurrection advocates. It isn't just for the pastor, the elders, the deacons, the staff, and the lay leaders. Every TVC member is a resurrection advocate. We're all resurrection advocates for Jesus' glory. But do we believe it? And do we live it? Look at verses 2 through 4 again. These verses list out all 12 apostles by name. Now read through those verses again. And as you read, what do you notice about the list of names? What stands out to you as you read through these, 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 the list of the disciples? There's diversity among them. They come from different backgrounds and experiences. Wouldn't you agree? There are also some similarities. All of them have issues. Look at the list. All all those guys have issues. None of them are part of the religious system of the day. None of them are priests, scribes, or Pharisees. None of them are highly educated. They don't come from high privilege or, or a high social class. They are not, the 12 are not popular. They're not first century famous. They're not social media influencers with millions of followers. They're simply 12 unqualified, everyday men. Fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, and a traitor. That's who they are. Fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, and a traitor. Don't rush past those verses. Don't rush past them. Reflect. Think about what is actually happening here. If you're going to start a movement or faith that's going to change the world, will these be the type of people you recruit to be on your team? If you're going to start a business, if you're going to start a church, a new ministry, are you going to look for a fisherman, a tax collector, a zealot, and someone who will stab you in the back later? Probably not. We're going to look for people with certain knowledge, skills, resources, and connections, right? We're going to look for successful people. That's the American way. People with accolades, people with achievement, people with certain degrees. But Jesus isn't us. He's different. He intentionally takes a different approach. Please know that. Jesus could have picked anyone to be an apostle. But he doesn't. These verses in Matthew are similar in the line of thinking from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you are powerful. Not many of you are a noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might be able to boast in the presence of God. That's the way of Christ. That's the way of Christ. 
Jesus intentionally chooses unqualified men to walk in his missional footprint. Because as Marcus says, he qualifies who he calls. And the same is true for us as resurrection advocates. Our success, our education, our intellect, our achievements don't qualify us for this commission. Amen. Don't make me pull out the sign, please. And neither does our like of those things disqualify us. Jesus is the one who calls, enables, and authorizes. He does that. One seminary professor writes, one seminary professor writes, everyone who serves does as the twelve did by Jesus' authorization given by Jesus. That's why we serve. Recognizing that fact throws us back upon the central message of this passage. Jesus is the one who heals and who sends the never qualified apostles in his name. So when you when you feel like you're not qualified, you're right. When you feel like you can't do it, you're right. Because God's power is made perfect in our weakness. You feel like I can't share the gospel. That's good. That's a good feeling. Then take it and go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to give you the strength. Because remember, the footprints are Jesus' footprints. Remember, the mission belongs to him. Remember, it's his harvest. Remember, it's his authority. Remember, it's his appointment. Remember, it's his gospel. Remember, it's his finished work, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And remember, Jesus' mission to the world is about cosmic redemption, not individual salvation. He's making all things new. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And we as his beloved, we as his church, we as his commissioned people, we get to share in this work of redemption. No other group. It's called by his name, has been commissioned for such a mission as this, but us. But do we believe it? Jesus, throughout his ministry, Jesus is like, I'm all about my father's business. Are we about the father's business too? We can get caught up in buildings, in fighting. And the enemy is eating popcorn watching us do it because we're distracted. They've been getting them fighting amongst themselves because they won't be about the mission. They will fight amongst themselves about windows and about carpet and about the way the, about, about the, way the, the, the up front looks. And we are not about the Father's business. And we see this. Within our church, we can see this within the church in America, we're distracted. And it's easy to be distracted because we, or where we live. We're like little monkeys, like, oh, that's shiny. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, yeah, well, that's shiny too. Let me, let me grab that. How are we as a church distracted from the mission? Self-reflection. We can't say, well, it's for those churches, it's for us too. How are we distracted? Lost my spot. Look back at verse 12. 
I'm sorry, back at verse 1. It says, Jesus calls his disciples. He calls to himself his 12 disciples. Before he sends them out as apostles in his name, he calls them to be disciples first. Disciples who trust him. Disciples who surrender to him. Disciples who follow him. Disciples who commune with him. As our mission statement says, the disciples who know, enjoy, and glorify Jesus. That's a disciple. This means a resurrection advocate must be a disciple of Jesus first. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a disciple first? You see, the only prerequisite necessary to be commissioned by Jesus here is for you to have saving faith. You got to have faith first. You can't be an advocate for the resurrection if you're not born again. The only way to be born again is for the Holy Spirit to regenerate your dead heart so that when your, when your heart hears the gospel, it's able to accept it and surrender to Jesus in faith. If you don't have faith in Christ today, then here it is. He was delivered up for your trespasses, and he was raised for your justification before the Father. All you have to do is confess, repent of your sins, and submit and surrender to him as Lord and Savior, and you will be his beloved. You will be his disciple. You will be a resurrection advocate who can be empowered to walk in his missional footprint. And that's what we are. That's corporately and individually. That's what we are as a church. But do we believe that? Do we walk in that? Are we really and truly about the Father's business? Once you've been able to receive Christ in faith, you'll be able to say these words from one of my favorite hymns. It says, Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken. Thou from hence may all shall be. Perish every fond ambition. I've sought and hoped for known. Yet how rich is my condition. God and heaven are still my own. Let the world despise and leave me. They have left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me. Thou art not like them untrue. O oh, while thou smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate, friends disown me, show thy face, and all is bright. As resurrection advocates, and I get into this when I get back from vacation, we need to realize that part of being a resurrection advocate for Jesus is that we are going to experience the same things that he experienced. And I think for the church in America, we need to be reminded of that, that we will not always be fully accepted because of who we truly represent. Let us pray. Father, as we go our way this, this uh, day, I pray blessings over each of us. I pray blessings over our faith. I pray blessings over our families. And I also want to pray for my cousin Kendra, who was diagnosed with cancer. We pray blessings over her, wisdom for the doctors as they prepare for to do the MRI to see what stage it is, Lord. And I just pray for mercy. Pray for my family. I pray for my Aunt Sandra and Kendra's siblings that you'd be with them. 
help us to continue to lift her up and trust in you for her health and for whatever treatment she's going to be able to get moving forward. And again, Lord, thank you for your goodness to our church. I pray blessings over each of us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand, saints, as we close our service? Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands and my feet. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you are a guest today, thank you so much uh, for being with us and blessing us with your presence. And if also, if you're going to be traveling for spring break, I hope you guys have safe travels, safe trips. Uh, a couple of announcements. We have a session meeting tonight. Please pray for wisdom, that God will give us wisdom as we 
meet. And also leadership training will be starting on the 26th. And so uh, it's open to all members. So emails have went out. We need to know by the 19th if you're going to go through the training. So please email the elders to let us know if you plan to go through leadership training by March 19th. The training starts on March 26th. So please govern yourself accordingly. Now here's God's benediction to his beloved. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please greet one another, saints.